0: Okay, disclaimer, it's going to feel like drinking out of a fire hose today because I've got so much to say. We only have three weeks left of the series, including today, and it's such a huge topic. We're talking about God's blessing in our lives, and the, perhaps the easiest and simplest and most accurate way of defining God's blessing is simply good from God. And so I want you to know everything that you can know about blessing because you need blessing in your life. And it could be that someone's here today and you're saying, Mark, I don't know that I really need to be blessed that much. I have a seven-figure income. I have, you know, homes and vacation homes. I have a private jet. Well, I just want to let you know if you're blessed like that, two things. Number one, first of all, I have traveled a lot and speak. If you have a private jet, see me after the service. The second thing that I want you to know, and I think we all know this, is that no matter how much money you have in life, life can turn upside down in 24 hours. And the blessings of God are so much more than financial gifts because money won't solve a lot of problems. I do believe that there is financial blessing, and we're going to talk about that. But the blessings of God in my life are so broad, so much broader than just money. So all of us today, I think We will benefit from this because what I want us to hear is not what a minister has to say, certainly not what a denomination has to say. We're not part of a denomination. I want you to hear what the Bible has to say because all of us need blessings so much in our lives, we need to know what we can count on and why we can count on God's blessing in our lives. So, with that apology out of the way, uh, it's going to move very fast. Uh, I would encourage you to take notes, but there'll probably be times I'll be speaking so fast, it'll be hard to take notes. You You can get on our app and the notes will be there. But I just want you to have something that you can walk out of here today. Three facts about God's blessing that everybody should know. Okay? No more introduction. We've got work to do. Here is the first fact that is massive. God blesses people who keep trusting in him when they go through hard times. Now, if you've come from a background where prosperity theology was taught, you might not think about hard times and blessing being in the same sentence. Because for many people, when they think about God's blessing in their lives, it's the total aversion of hard times. But when we crack open the Bible, it's pretty clear that the women and men in the Bible who were blessed did go through hard times. And what we've got to learn about blessing is we've got to learn how God thinks. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. So if we try to process through our minds how God works, you know, with our own way of thinking, we'll never get there. One of the important things of God's thinking in regard to blessing is He watches how we deal with hard times. Beyond that, there is a nexus, and I'm going to prove this from Scripture in just a moment. There is a strong nexus between hard times. And blessing in our lives many verses about this but because of time constraints today i want to pull you to a psalm that is very special to me and that is the 84th psalm now look at what it says in the fifth verse blessed there's our word good from god blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage okay And that's kind of old Hebrew language, so let's pull this into 2019 vernacular. Basically, God is saying blessed are the people who have made up their minds to do things God's way. We we heard a wonderful testimony in the baptism videos a few moments ago. A, A young woman talked about what her pastor had said about you can either live life, your way can live it God's way. That was a powerful statement in her testimony. This is exactly what the psalmist is saying. Blessed are the people who have decided to do things God's way. Now, when David was writing the Psalms, he was talking about the journey that Jewish people would make every year to Jerusalem. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you know that Jerusalem is really elevated. I remember the trip from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem last June. I mean, you're climbing the whole way. So in those days, people weren't in, you know, Ubers like I was in, you know, they had to walk. And so they're on this pilgrimage and it's a climb and it's difficult. And the psalmist is pulling from that expression to say, blessed are the people who understand that life is a climb, but they're determined to do things God's way well. Here is the problem, and maybe here's the question. The next verse says that as they pass through the valley of Baca, well, Baca is the Hebrew word for suffering. So think about this. See if you can get this juxtaposition in your mind. Here are people that have decided to do things God's way, but all of a sudden they find themselves in difficulty. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're here at NewSpring today, or watching online, or watching on television, and some time ago, you decided you were going to do things God's way, but then a diagnosis from your doctor knocked everything out of round, or maybe the marriage that you thought would hold together for life blew up. I mean, you could just put anything you want to put in that blank. It's a difficult thing when you're a God follower, and you're determined you're going to do things God's way, but then you wind up going through the valley of suffering. Now, let's make sure we pull back from this and we hear the whole statement. God is saying, blessed, blessed are this group of people. They've decided to do things God's way. They, instead of having good things, go through a difficult time. But notice what they do. They make it a place of springs. Springs. Okay, one more time. Let's get this in 2019 language. These are people, men and women, who've decided they'll do things God's way. They're on this climb through life, but suddenly it gets difficult. But you know what they do? They say, while I'm going through this difficult time, Others are going to travel this way, and I'm going to do something in this season of difficulty to make life better for the people who come along behind me. Remember what we learned last week? Blessed people are blessed to bless people. God does not bless conspicuous consumers. He blesses those people who will have an open hand. God puts things in our hands so that we can give to others and keep our hands open so that God can keep blessing us to bless others. I taught this in both our services last night, but in between services I was signing books. And while I was signing books, a couple came up before me who are very precious to me. They've been new springers for a lot of years. I remember six years ago in a night service, I met him out by one of our coffee service areas, just right outside where I'm pointing in South Auditorium. And he said, Mark, I've just been told that I have esophageal cancer. Well, For those of you who know medicine, you'll know that that is not a good, I mean, there's never any good cancer, but that's an extremely bad one to have. The survival rate is not strong. And I remember we prayed out there. And so Kevin went through a difficult surgery, but now God healed him through that surgery. I mean, and here we are, I was signing devotion. I said, Kevin, how many years has it been? It's been six years. Do you know what he's doing right now? He is ministering to people here at New Spring who are going through a cancer diagnosis. And he's got a list of people he told me that he needed to see this week. You understand, here is a guy who determined he was going to do things God's way, but a cancer diagnosis came. And he went through that valley, and he kept his confidence in God, but he decided that was not enough. Blessed people are blessed to bless people. He was going to dig a well, and he's still digging a well to help people who are going through a cancer diagnosis. This is somebody God will bless. If you're going through a hard time today, recognize that your actual hard time may be a way of bringing blessing into your life if you will keep your confidence in God. Hey, I'll tell you why that's a challenge because how many people have made their decision to follow God, but hard times came and then they threw it down and said, well, I guess this thing doesn't work. God blesses people. Number one, number one fact, God blesses people who keep trusting in him when they go through hard times. Fact number two, as I look around the congregation today, I recognize that most of you are too young to know what I'm about to talk about. So you're just gonna have to trust me on this. Years ago on Saturday Night Live, there was a character called Church Lady. And I know y'all are all too young to know who church lady is. But I never will forget the first time I saw a church lady on Saturday Night Live, I thought, I pastored that lady in the three churches, you know. I recognized her. And for those of you who are too young know what I'm talking about, this is a, a, a woman, it really wasn't a woman, it was a male actor, but dressed up sort of like a church lady in stained glass behind her, and, and she's like spouting this jargon that you experience in church. Now, here's the thing. If you have a church lady background, what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind, so you just may need someone to hold on to you right now in what I'm going to tell you. But this is a biblical fact. Ready? Take a deep breath. There is nothing wrong and everything right with you praying for God to bless you. You know, some people will hear that and like, I don't think that's right. I don't think I should pray for God to bless me. I think I should pray for God to bless people in third world countries. You should. I think I should pray for the persecuted church. Absolutely. But there is nothing wrong and everything right with you asking God to bless you. Are you married? Everything right about you asking God to bless your marriage. Do you need financial blessings? Everything right with you asking God to bless you financially. Do you have kids? Everything right about asking God to bless your kids. Let me just give you some scriptures because remember, this is not about me. This is what the Bible says. Before we get into our main text, I want to give you three verses. The first one you may know about. There was a guy named Jacob in the Old Testament. He's one of the patriarchs, but he, frankly, he could be a screw-up a lot of the time. His name means tricky, and he lived up to his name. But he blew up his life and blew up his family, and he's trying to get right with God. So he and his family are going back to the home where he left, really kind of left God. And on his way back, he winds up wrestling with an angel. Now, the word angel, we're going to have a series on that. That's our Christmas series coming up. The word angel simply means messenger. It's, it's, a, it's a messenger from God. Now, we believe that this particular message was something that happened several times in the Old Testament. Theologians call it a Christophany. It just means a visual manifestation of pre-incarnate Christ. Simple terms means Jesus shows up before Bethlehem. And another example. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fire furnace? And the king said, we threw three in there, but I see four, and that fourth one is different. That's a Christophany. It's Jesus showing up before Bethlehem. Well, we believe that when Jacob wrestled with the angel, this messenger from heaven, he was actually wrestling with the person that we know of as Jesus, and Jacob wrestled with him all night. You should know that Jacob's wrestling was not keeping Jesus there, because when The messenger got ready to leave. He just touched Jacob's thigh and he can't walk. Dads, grandpas, you're going to get this. You ever like wrestle with your three-year-old in the living room floor and you're like, oh, you're beating me. But you know deep down inside you could probably take him. (laughs) Just tell you that because that's what's going on with Jacob right now. Now, at the the daybreak in verse 26 of Genesis 32, the angel said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, hey, if it's wrong to ask for blessing, that angel is likely to nuke Jacob right there. But what did he do? He blessed him. In the book of Nehemiah, and that's a great story if you're ever interested in it. We did a series called Build It two or three years ago. Nehemiah came back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and, he, and, he, and he, he invested in a lot of people. Time out. Who's here today and you've invested heavily into somebody's life, maybe financially like Nehemiah did and they never appreciate it and you can, you know, sit around and wait and tap your feet waiting for them to get a clue. <clears throat> Look at what Nehemiah prayed. The Bible says, Nehemiah prayed, remember, oh my God, all that I've done for these people and you bless me. Hey, for all of us who've invested in people and they're never going to get it, don't worry about them paying you back. Just think about this. God will pay you back. I had way rather God pay me back for what I've done for somebody else than for me standing around waiting for them to get a clue, right? Remember, blessed people are blessed to bless people. And sometimes you're going to bless people who are not going to get it, at least for a long time. Now let me give you another. <laughs> you talk about hutzpah. This last one is from David in Psalm one nineteen verse twenty two. David said, "Please guarantee a blessing for me." Whoa, that's not just bless me. David said, "I want you to give me a guarantee that you're going to bless me." So from those verses, we learn there is nothing wrong and everything right with asking God to bless me. Why is it okay with God? For you to ask God to bless you. Oh, there are three hugely compelling reasons. Here's the first one. It recognizes God as the source. If I ask God to bless me, then that's tantamount to me saying, God, I recognize you are the source of every good thing in my life. tell you why this is big to God. If you read the book of Isaiah, which is maybe the most important book in the Old Testament, maybe other than Genesis... God is indicting his own people. And here's what he says in chapter one and verse three. The ox knows his master and the donkey his owner's manger, but my people don't understand. Don't think about that. I mean, you think about an ox or a donkey, they know where they get fed and they know who feeds them. And so God is like, I do all these good things for people and they can't connect the dots. So when you and I ask God to bless us, that's something very important to God. Because we have just said, God, I recognize you are the source of good things in my life. Number two, if you study the Bible, you know how important faith is to God. That's how we get saved. When Jesus came to the earth, he was upset when he didn't find faith, and he was excited when he found it. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we know how big faith is. But now we're gonna keep reading in verse six after that statement. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Tag at that. But look at the second one. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently or consistently seek him. He's a rewarder. Do you understand? God wants us to understand that he's the rewarder in our lives. So when I ask God to bless me, number one, I know who the source of my blessing is. And number two, I am giving testimony through faith that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. This is Mary Alice's favorite, the third one. The reason why it's okay for you to ask God to bless you is it allows God to define what blessing is. See, a lot of times I don't know what's good for me. If I had unlimited resources and I could have anything I want, you know what I'd do? I'd screw up my life because I would have stuff that's not good for me to have. God knows what is best for me. See, God can see what I can't see. He can see the future. And so when I say, God, bless me, it is my way of saying, God, I don't know what I need. You know what I need. I'm asking you to bless me. I just want to make sure that you guys, when I teach this, you're not hearing like the old Janis Joplin song that says, Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? (laughs) Because that's not asking God to bless us. That's wishing that God were a genie, that we could rub the lamp and he would come out and be our servant. That's, That's not what we're talking about. See, it's okay to ask God to bless you because you're like, God, I don't know what I need. I'm just asking you to be my source. So it's totally cool for you to ask God to bless you. But now our big scripture. I want to take you to a prayer that an obscure man prayed in the Old Testament. Well, he would have been obscure if David Wilkinson hadn't written a book about him and it sold many, many millions of copies. It's a guy by the name of Jabez, and there is a book, and it's an old book. It's about 20 years old now, but you can buy it on Amazon. You can get anything on Amazon. I hope they don't X that out of television broadcasts because I'm never supposed to mention a brand. Okay. That's what you're like when you have ADD you your own stage and you're, you're talking. <laughs> It's a great book. It's a short book. It's an easy read. It's the prayer of Jabez. Now, one thing I noticed in the Christian community is there's an evolution in the way things are pronounced. Because it started off the prayer of Jabez like it was in the South. And then it was the prayer of Jabez. And then the prayer of Yabez. Fact is, we don't know how anyone pronounced things back 3,000 years ago. It reminds me, I used to do a lot of conferences in Kissimmee, Florida. I don't know if you know where Kissimmee is. It's just right down the highway from Disney World. A lot of you probably went to Disney World, Epcot, and stayed in, in Kissimmee. But I preached there a lot. And there was a standing joke with the people in Kissimmee about how the name of the town was pronounced. And there were those who said, you know, it's Kissimmee. And others said it was Kissimmee. And so there was a couple that had taken their kids to Disney World have you ever noticed, if you're in a love relationship, how you can argue about stuff that doesn't matter at all, and it can escalate to World War III? <laughs> and this couple was just getting madder and madder because the wife said, it's Kissimmee. And the guy said, no, it's Kissimmee. And they were on their way to Disney World, and the argument was so heated, they were about to turn around and go back to the hotel, and the kids were crying in the backseat. So the man, the man decided he would just settle it. He whipped into a strip mall with this little restaurant there. And he, 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 said, come, he had said to his wife, I want you to come in here with me. We're going to settle this once and for all. So he walked in. There's young a young girl behind the counter, high school girl. And he walked up to her and he said, now, listen, we don't want to buy anything. We don't want to get into a discussion. We just want to know what is the name of this place. And I don't want you to talk about it. I just want you to pronounce it. And I want you to pronounce the name of this place so slowly that even my wife can get it. Tell me slowly, what is the name of this place? And she said, Burger King. (laughs) So I don't know how you say Jabez. Doesn't matter. But there's this little scripture tucked away in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 where Jabez prays this prayer and he asks God to bless him. Now, I want to point out verse 9. The Bible says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, the word honorable there means that God had weight in his life. Well, let's start there. Because here's the deal. There are a lot of people that would like to have God's blessing in their life if they can just pick it up on their way to Dylan's. You know, I'm just like, well, I go to church every once in a while, kind of like, check it out. And, you know, God is in their lives, but God isn't very heavy. Kansas City Chiefs are heavy in their life. You know, what they enjoy doing on social media, that's heavy, but God is not very heavy. And so the Bible just simply says, God was heavy to Jabez. In other words, God was important to him. Now let's read this whole prayer. His mother named him Jabez saying, because I bore him with pain... Now, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm that it might not pain me. And look at this next line. And God gave him what he asked for. Whoa, this is big. So let's just unpack that line by line. I mean, here's this guy, Jabez, God is important to him. And Jabez looks at his life and it's not what he wants it to be. So he goes to the God of Israel and he says, God, would you bless me indeed? Well, there's really no way we can say that in English, what he was praying in Hebrew. It's sort of like, God, would you just like bless me to the max? Would you just bless me, bless me, bless me? That's probably the best way of saying it in English. It's like, God, I just want you to rain down blessing on me. Well, that's, that's a great request. And then he said this, I want you to enlarge my border. I'm really big on giving you the stuff in 2019 English so that you know exactly how this applies to your life. What's he's, what he's asking God for here is opportunity. Opportunity. And notice that he's saying, God, there are borders in my life that I keep bumping up against. I'm betting you know what this is talking about. I'm not talking about boundaries that we set in relationships. It's just that, God, in my life, there seem to be borders that I can't get past. And so, God, what I want you to do is to expand my borders in, in the way of thinking back In this Hebrew world, many people lived in tents, and what he's asking God to do is to pull up the stakes of his tent and stretch them out so he can have more opportunity. How does this look today? Maybe you're an attorney. Maybe you're a partner in a firm, but you'd like to start your own firm so that you can take the kinds of cases you want to take. Maybe you're a doctor. You want to start your own group so that you can do things your way. Maybe... Maybe you work for a company. Maybe you're a plumber and you work for a plumbing company, but you want to start your own company. And by the way, don't, don't go out and quit your job and say, Mark told me to quit my job. <laughs> but I'm just saying there are some of you that, that are like, God, I'm tired of these borders, and I want more opportunity. Well, that's okay to ask. I mean, God is cool with that. In fact, God seems to like it. But here is the thing. Look at the next line of the prayer that he's about to pray. See, when he said, God, I want you to bless me, he knew that that meant expanded opportunities. But when opportunities expand, he knew he was going to be in over his head in June, I'll be pastor here for 35 years. And I got to tell you something. I've been in over my head my entire time here. In fact, I've told Mary Alice over and over and over when I die and you bury me, I want you to create a tombstone that just has my name on it. And right below it, say, once again, he's in over his head. that has <laughs> been the story of my life, by the way. If you're following God and there's not some aspect of an impossible quotient, I'm not sure you're fully yet embracing God's perfect will for your life. If you're following God, something ought to be impossible. And Jabez knew that. He's like, God, I want you to bless me. Well, he knew that blessing meant expanded opportunities. And then he'd be in over his head. And the third thing he asked is, oh, that your hand might be on me. Well, God's a spirit. and He doesn't have a literal hand. When we study the Bible, we know that God's hand always means God's power in our lives. He's like, God, if you, if, you, if you expand my territory, I'm going to need the juice to pull it off. Oh, that your hand might be upon me. And then this last one, it's really interesting. In our translation, it says, and that you would keep me from harm that it might not pain me. Other translations say, and I think they may have it right, and God, in all this opportunity and blessing, help me not to cause pain for anybody. Hey, that can happen, can it? I mean, you start moving faster and big things are happening, and if you're not careful, you can bump other people. And Jabez is like, God, when you bless me, please don't let me cause pain for anybody. Well, the reason why that's salient to Jabez is his name means the one who causes pain. not sure exactly why his mother named him that, A lot of you ladies have been through labor. It may be Mark. I don't have any problem understanding that. But to hang that name on a kid, the one who causes pain. Teachers, can you imagine the first day of class? Here's Jabez. You're meeting all your new students. Here's this young man right here. Tell us your name. I am the one who causes pain. Like, oh, can I get with the principal and get him moved to another class? What I really imagine, I have a vivid imagination, I, I used to perform a lot of weddings. I, I can just see the preacher performing a wedding, and he's asking this bride, will you take the one who causes pain? Who? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can I have a little extra time today? Because I haven't even got to the third point. But I want to tell you something that's really big right now. There are people in this room, including me, who have generational stuff. And we wrestle with it. Our dad or mom wrestled with it. Our grandparents wrestled with it. There is something in the heart of someone who wants to follow God who will say, God, I don't want this in my life. I want to be a cycle breaker today. Maybe my dad was an angry person. Maybe my grandfather was an angry person. But I don't want my kids to be angry. I don't want to be angry. It stops here. God, please, Help me overcome this. God, I want you to bless me indeed. I want you to enlarge my territory. And I want your hand to be on me. But God, please, don't let me cause pain for somebody else. And the Bible says God heard his prayer. Third fact. Remember, fact number one, God blesses people who keep their confidence in him when they go through hard times. Fact number two, perfectly okay to ask God to bless you. And here is a huge one. There is a life that God blesses. Many of us are Christ followers here. Many of us have given our lives to Jesus Christ. But there are some of us that God can bless and some of us that God can't bless. Maybe this is the best way I can describe this. There is a life that God blesses. It's as as if God can bless people who are standing in that life. There are many people God loves, but they're not standing They're not living their lives where God can bless them. If he were to bless them, it'd be dangerous. they they continue on the bad behavior. So I think there are times in my life where God has said, Mark, I want to bless you, but you're not where I can bless you. So for just a few moments, as we close out this message, let's talk about where that life is that God blesses. First of all, before I get to our main text, I want to read something to you from Proverbs 28 that I think is especially salient to our generation. The Bible says, blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. God cannot bless a stubborn person. Now, let's go into this psalm. This is the very first psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and the Bible is going to start off telling us who is blessed. Psalm 1:1. Blessed is the man. That's a generic term for humans. It could just as easily be blessed as the woman. And there are going to be three statements here that are all negative. In other words, blessed is the person who doesn't do this. What's really peculiar about it is that there are physical postures mentioned in each one of these statements. The first one is going to be blessed is the person who doesn't walk this way. Number two is going to be blessed is the person who doesn't stand in a place. And then finally, blessed is the person who doesn't sit. So I want you to get that in your mind. So first of all, blessed is a person who does not walk in the counsel of the, the old translation says, ungodly. Now think about walking for a moment. Walking is sort of a measured, common experience that we have. For instance, we even ask the question, what walk of life are you in? So what is walking talking about? It's choices. Every day of your life, you're making choices scores, if not hundreds of choices. And what the Bible is saying, blessed is the person who does not make her choices in the advice of those who don't have God in their lives. See, choices and counsel, choices and influence go together. We we, we don't think it does, but it does. The choices you're making right now and that I'm making have a whole lot to say about the influences that speak into our lives. And when you think about pop culture and social media and the media at large and oftentimes peers, we get a lot of influence that, my gosh, a lot of stuff that's preached in church today is, leaves God out. So scripture is saying blessed is a person who does not make his or her choices under the influence of those voices that leave God out. Number two, blessed is a person who does not stand in the way of sinners. What's the difference between walking and standing? Walking is making choices, but choices are in flux. Standing means I've decided this is who I am, and I'm not moving. Now, when the Bible talks about sinners there, it means the lifestyle of something that God has already judged is morally indefensible. One of the popular things that's said in our culture today is, I don't judge if we really mean by that that we don't personally put our spin on things, that's a good thing. If on the other hand, we're reluctant to advance what God has already judged, I mean, after all, what we're saying at that point is I don't know the difference between wrong and right and that is the standard for criminal insanity. Lawyers know that. If you're gonna try to play the case of someone being criminally insane, they have to not know the difference between wrong and right. We have a whole generation of Americans today who basically, when they say, I don't judge, what they're saying is, I don't know the difference between wrong and right. And God's real cool, he's real clear on this. He's saying, blessed is the person who does not stand intransigently in a lifestyle or in the avocation of a lifestyle of something that God has said is morally indefensible. This third one is the one that gets me. Blessed is the person who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Seat there means the judge's seat. In other words, blessed is a person who does not feel like the world is waiting for his opinion. Is it just me? Or is the way we communicate today, I mean, it's sort of like on social media, you get more hits if you can be sarcastic. I think there are times when God wants to bless me and it's like, Mark, you know what? I could bless you more if you didn't use your tongue like a machine gun. So... Well, let let me just read it to you in the message. It says, you don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to smart-mouth college. I like that last one the best. So who does God bless? We know what they don't do. They don't make their choices in the advice of those that don't have God in their lives. They don't stand stubbornly in the way of things that God's already judged morally indefensible. and then they don't use their tongue like a Yuzi. What do they do? Well, this is gonna kind of, be strange. The Bible says this person's delight is in the law of God. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, honestly, when I read the Bible and I find a command of God in there, do I like, wow, this is so cool. I found a command. I found a law. But the Bible says this is how it works. I mean, when you, when you leave here and you finally get out of the traffic jam that is New Spring and you get on K96... Do you like see the speed limit there? It's like, oh, I delight in the speed limit. Oh <laughs> well, for no, all of you old baby boomers out there singing Sammy Hagar, I can't drive 55. Why are, why are God's laws important? Well, it's really important for us if we want to be blessed to listen to God's warnings. I'm out of time. Can I have just like a couple of minutes to tell you a completely unimportant story? <laughs> I live in Southeast Andover you know, south of Kellogg. So every, every morning when I'm coming to campus, I have to like come north on Andover Road, turn west on Kellogg. There's a stoplight there, right there at that major intersection. And I'm accustomed to being there several times a day. So I'm on the inside turning lane. And when the light turns green, there's a truck in front of me and the truck driver makes the turn, but he's like really, really slow. I don't know if he's having trouble with his transmission or something, but just kind of like, slow. so me, I, don't, I can't wait. I buzzed over into the right lane. And all of a sudden, lights. And sheriff's deputy pulls me over. And he said, I guess you know why I'm pulling you over. I said, I don't have a clue. That's probably not smart, is it? What was that about smart mouth college? (laughs) And he said, well, you know, you were on the inside turning lane. And he said, "I I saw the truck in front of you. But, you know, it's illegal for you to, you know, go to that right turning lane. And he said, hey, you know, be more careful. Have a nice day, Mr. Hoover. And I drove off and I thought, you know what's cool about a warning? I get a lesson without a penalty. And that's what what happens when we read God's warnings and we learn the lesson. It's like, okay, I learned something that will make my life better, but I I don't have to pay a fine. But there's a bigger reason. Do you realize that every time you find a command of God, that's an opportunity for blessing? And when God says something and you say, okay, I agree with you. God is like, okay, I can bless you now. So that's what David is like. I mean, You know what David is saying here? David's like, I can't sleep at night because I'm turning through the pages of the Bible looking for commands. Because every time I find a command, that's just another way to be blessed. This and I'm finished. The Bible says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, what's a tree like planted by water? Jeremiah says, he picks up the same thing in Jeremiah 17. He says two things. He says, number one, it doesn't fear when the heat comes. In other words, when life's pressures build up, you don't have to worry about that. And then the second thing Jeremiah said, it has no worries in drought. So in essence, a tree planted by the water doesn't have to worry about rainfall because its roots go down into the wet soil. That's what God is like saying to us. If you're a blessed person, your blessing doesn't depend upon the the capricious winds of the United States economy. Your, Your blessing depends on God. And then this powerful statement, I've loved since I was a kid. Whatever this person does, prospers. I know I'm seven minutes over time, but I need one more minute. There is a word in that verse that you should know about. Nine years ago, this time of year, I was preaching on this chapter. And I had looked at everything in Hebrew except for one word. And just driving to campus, I had a sense that I had missed something. So in my office before the 4 o'clock Saturday service, I sat down and I read this in Hebrew again. And I came across the word planted. And I realized it's not the normal word for planted. It's the Hebrew word for transplanted. God is saying the person who looks to him for blessing... Who, who doesn't walk in the advice of the ungodly, does not stand intransigently in things that God's already determined are morally indefensible, does not sit in the seat of judgment, but delights in his law. God is saying, that person is like a tree that's been transplanted from the desert. And I thought, that is what it means to accept Jesus Christ and Savior, is he takes us from the desert we were in and he plants us by the river of his blessing. So today, I just want to ask you the question, have you ever let God transplant you? Transplant you out of the desert and transplant you into his grace. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me for just a moment. It could be that you're here and you're saying, Mark, I want this to happen in my life today. I want want to know that I have a relationship with God. I want to experience God's blessing in my life. I'm going to give you a prayer that invites Jesus Christ into your heart and life. Be the biggest decision you've ever made. And I'll pray it slowly so that you can decide if you want to say these things to God. You ready? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me anyway. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. Would you forgive me and make me your child and bring me into your family in Jesus' name? If you just prayed that prayer with me, go to any info center. They're all over the campus. And all you got to say is I prayed with Mark. I have a gift box for you. It's got a Bible book. I wrote some other cool stuff. I'm going to go out by the coffee, by the bookstore. If you'd like for me to sign your devotional, I'll be out there in just a moment. God bless. See you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services.